Welcome to You Ask For It here at First Baptist Church. We have a special event uh, tonight where we are talking to some real-life missionaries uh, that they've been sent out all over the world to share the gospel. And we've got Tim and Faith with us tonight. And the question that we have for you is how do Christians celebrate Christmas in the countries that you've been in? Thanks, Dave. One of the one of the things we love about Europe, uh, we've been in England and in Germany. One of the things we love about both countries is that no matter what day of the week Christmas is on, you're going to go to church and worship. I love that because it's all about Christ. It's it's centered on Him. Uh, so it doesn't matter where you're at. You're, you're gonna have you're gonna have worship service. And especially in Germany, it's kind of neat. We have a Saint Nicholas. And it, but we have one day for him. St. Nicholas Tog is on December 6th, and the kids put out their shoes outside their bedroom door, and you fill it with candy or basically what you would a stocking stuffer here. And then that is it. St. Nicholas is not mentioned again, as he's not the emphasis. From then on, it's the looking forward to the Christkind. And the neat thing that I find in Germany is once St. Nicholas is over, we concentrate on Advent. And here you hear it. I'd never heard it in the States. England was the first time I'd ever heard it. And they do four candles for the four Sundays of Advent. They light it. In, uh, they'll have one on stage. They'll light it each Sunday, the first and then the two, then the three and the four. And they do a little devotion specifically toward looking towards Christ's coming. It'll be something scripture, maybe from the Old Testament, a prophecy or something. But then, you, like he said, that's come, that leads up to Christmas, looking to the Christ, Christ, the Christkind, which is Christ's child. And then Christmas Day, the emphasis is worshiping. It's like a Sabbath on Christmas Day. Amen. That's interesting. All right, uh, Brian and Kathy, y'all were in East Asia. Tell us about Christmas over there. Well, in South Korea... Um, Christmas is definitely a Western holiday. So two-thirds of the country are not Christians, so it's not really celebrated. They do like to decorate for Christmas, but it's generally considered a holiday where you'll take your girlfriend or boyfriend or maybe your spouse. Usually it's a girlfriend-boyfriend holiday, and you take them out to eat. Um, but for Christians... That it is definitely like in England and Germany. It is just a day to spend at church. So if it if it lands on a Monday through Friday, if you if you work all day but you have you can get lunch off, you'll go to church and they'll worship during lunchtime. They worship all day at church. So maybe you'll wait until the end of the day and you'll worship at night. Um, and and because you know we 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 also think about giving gifts and things. Uh, Asians don't, or South Koreans don't give gifts. They wait until New Year's, uh, to the Lunar New Year Day, and that's when they do the bowing. The children bow before their grandparents and usually get money. So gift giving is not really a part of, it's money getting. Yeah. (laughs) And then we also lived seven years in the Philippines while we did work in an unreached uh, area of East Asia. So while we lived in the Philippines, we got to see how Filipinos celebrate Christmas. Filipinos are, are great people. They're very community-oriented, and they're very happy people, very content. They like to have a good time. 
They like to enjoy life. And so that means that they like to party. So our experience with uh, Christmas in the Philippines began in September. September, October, November, December. They're called the Burr months, B-E-R at the end of the, the month. Well, you celebrate Christmas during the Burr months. So from September on, you'll start seeing decorations. You'll hear Christmas music. Um, you'll get carolers coming to your door, knocking, asking for candy and money. And so for that happens for four months, every night for four months, basically. So <laughs> it's a very... Uh, it's a very so if you have a friend who's a Filipino electrician, he rigs your doorbell so that you can turn it off at a certain time every day and you don't hear it. <laughs> but that same festive attitude is part of what the church does. And so they are very, um, they celebrate Christmas right. And it's, it's loud and it's bright and it's fun. And so being part of a... Uh, the, the Filipino celebration of Christmas is a really special thing. Ah, that's wonderful. Yeah, uh, one of the things I, I learned about Japan, they're kind of like the party as well. They like uh, big lights and, and decorations and things like that. And it gives an opportunity for our missionaries to go, why do we do this? Why do we do this? So like in America, sometimes you see some people like God softens their heart and they want to come to Christmas Eve service or something like that. But uh, for our folks... You know, in, in these places, you know, where especially in, in Eastern culture, where they just don't know this like they know it in Germany. They're like, well, why do you do this? You know, what what is Christmas all about? I will say this about Japan. Uh, somehow, Kentucky Fried Chicken convinced everybody in Japan that you're supposed to buy a fried turkey from Kentucky Fried Chicken for Thanksgiving. And so everybody goes. It's a big national holiday for that. So anyway, all right, uh, t- uh, Tim and Faith, what's one memory that you've celebrated Christ- Christmas away from home and on the field uh, that just sticks out in your mind, uh, just a special Christmas? Um, our kids really enjoyed and got used to this. They not only have the Christmas Day service, but we have a late Christmas evening service as well, Christmas Eve service. And... Our church, we are part of an English-speaking church, and our church decided before we have the service, which we do in German and English, we have it translated, and the German community loves to come to our service and sing with us. But before that, our church decided to get groups together and go caroling, like the kids are out tonight caroling. But we caroled at the three nursing homes that were in the area. And there was a large group of us. We really enjoyed doing it. And so here's this group of North Americans. We divide up in three groups and go to these nursing homes. And the nurses would bring most of the people into a common area where the people eat and everything. But it was just so funny to watch us come in, us North Americans, trying to badly crush the German language. None of us sang well. We're, we're part of a Christian school there, and so everything's done in English. So very few people had German, and so we just would say, sing louder, 
and do it that way. But the people would just join in and smile and have a great time. And we're not the only groups. There are other choirs, German choirs, that come and sing with them. There's a men's choir and a women's choir in almost every village in Germany. And they come and sing, or the orchestra comes. It, it's really bad when we come behind one of those groups. So we, we make sure our night or our time is very different from theirs. But the people really enjoy it. And even our kids talk about how they miss going and doing that. Because after we sang, we would go around and say, Froher Weihnachten to everyone and just greet all the people. And they were just so sweet and loving on us. Wonderful. Do you have one, Tim? All right. Brian, how about y'all? There's so many. It's really hard. And I'm a really horrible storyteller, so I'm just going to tell you a few uh, just quick things. I think I told you one time uh, a few years back about how we moved after language school to our first ministry assignment on an island, and we left the top of our Christmas tree in Seoul. That was a really bad Christmas. Brian said, oh, nobody will notice. And we had friends in our house a lot. Um, I remember our very first Christmas in language school in Seoul. We hadn't prepared. We, I mean, we didn't bring presents with us from America. So we realized that Korean kids don't play with toys. They just study. So our girls were really just going to get school supplies for Christmas because there are not many toys in South Korea. Today there are, but back then there weren't. But if it was not for... Brian's mom and dad, my dear mother-in-law, who spent lots of money and sent lots of boxes year after year. That They're sitting right over there. That first Christmas, they, they made sure that Hannah and Caroline had all kinds of Christmas presents because we were concerned. Um, I can remember um, also in language school, we had a group of students over. We worked with college students most of the time, and I had Uh, made a Christmas meal. It wasn't really a Christmas meal. We had chicken tetrazzini and some different stuff, and I didn't really explain the meal to them. So I had jello. I tried to have things that they weren't used to. So I had a pan of flat jello sitting right beside the rolls. Well, before I knew it and really could say anything, the students who didn't really know what to do with that had made squares out of the jello and stuck it in between the rolls. So that was kind of funny. And then also one time we had a white elephant. You know, Brian and I were just like, oh gosh, did we eat jello on our rolls too? But um, one time we had a white elephant uh, party. And so we tried to explain to the students, these college students, what that was. You know, this is something that we do sometimes when we party together or we're at, at Christmas or different times. So we asked them, please bring something you don't like, something you don't want. That's what we do. And then we all just have fun exchanging it. Sometimes we call it dirty Santa. So they just did not get that concept because in South Korea, people don't have old things. Like we, whenever we moved to the Philippines, we used to say, we think all the South Koreans must send their old cars to the Philippines because everything is brand new. There's no yard sales or anything like that in South Korea. Um, so the students only brought really nice stuff to the white elephant party. But Brian and I had really awful stuff, and our girls played too, so the people that got our gifts were not very happy. They did not know what to do with them. <laughs> They just thought, why did you give us this? That's great. That's great. Well, uh, Ms. Proctor, I, I feel your pain because my wife just packed a 28-pound box to send to Japan today. 
So if anybody knows a banker that I can talk to, <laughs> to be able to put the box in the mail. All right. This is our last question for our podcast tonight is this. And uh, Brian, we'll start with you. Um, how have you seen the Lottie Moon Christmas offering at work and where you serve? Now, for those people who are new to uh, Southern Baptist life and the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, uh, this is an offering that goes to support missionaries all over the world. A hundred percent goes and helps spread the gospel. It's our greatest offering of the year. So, Brian, tell us about that. We, um, after we finished our student work, we, we started in the area of humanitarian aid and community development. So the projects that we did were funded with, um, they weren't funded through Lottie Moon or the cooperative program. They were funded through something called Baptist, Baptist Global Relief, which is now called Sin Relief. But those projects that we did were um, all out of that, that pot. But when it came to how the cooperative program, the, how Southern Baptists and all their money uh, together to, to help with our missionaries overseas, cooperative program and Lottie Moon Christmas offering, that's really what puts people on the field, the boots on the ground. And Terry, I'm not going to steal your thunder. So, But it really um, is all about providing what missionaries need to be on the field, from housing to cars, school tuition, residence permits. Uh, we had to start our own NGO where we lived in the Philippines to allow us to travel to the country where we, we wanted to work in. So uh, Lottie Moon paid for all of that, uh, us helping set up an NGO so we could have a platform to work from. Not only what it takes to keep people in the field, but it's all the things that make our lives as missionaries good there. Lottie Moon helps us with everything from uh, member care. We have people who minister to us on the field. Uh, missionary kid consultants who make sure our, our kids are taken care of. Team meetings and, and cluster retreats, training, all these things make sure that the missionaries, once they're there, Lottie Moon also makes sure that we can be more effective in the work. But I was really thinking about maybe a story to share that would kind of pull all this together, and uh, I'll make this quick. I was thinking about um, how Kathy and I, in, in the work that we did our last term, we got to go around and visit our different families that were scattered along the, the, the field. And so we went to visit this uh, elderly couple. They were probably in their mid-60s. And they were um, operating a... <laughs> what's that? Mid-60s. Elderly, and oh. <laughs> I guess that's how I thought of them back then. Maybe. <laughs> Thanks. I did not catch that. They were a young couple in their mid sixties, and they uh, had started a a noodle factory. And in this noodle factory, they had two young women who were assigned by the government. Uh, to work in their noodle factory. 
These young women were raised in a, a godless communist background, had no concept of who Christ is and what he had done for us. So we show up at this noodle factory just to observe because we're there to, to try to encourage the missionary couple. And uh, the first thing we saw was that in that factory, there was no observing. It's working. So they had Kathy working right alongside those two girls, making noodles. Kathy was stacking them as fast as they were making them. It was almost kind of like the, uh, for those of us who are young enough to remember the Lucy Ethel scene with the chocolate factory and they're stuffing it, you know, and all that, eating it. That's kind of what this noodle factory reminded me of. But I say all that to say that Southern Baptists want to make sure that they have people in strategic places where they can have access to folks to share the gospel. And we were so blessed that we sat down with this uh, couple and these two girls for lunch. And because of that contact they had with these two girls who had no concept of Christ, we sat down and the couple said, okay, we're going to say our prayer But when we say our prayer, we do something a little bit different. So it wasn't bowing our heads or anything like that. They just said, okay, we're all going to say what we've been memorizing together. And so here's what they said. Anybody want to take a guess what that is? John 3.16. This couple had been training these women to memorize Scripture because there was no way of knowing how long they would be there assigned to that job. So they were putting God's Word in their minds so they could, when they had to go back, uh, they, could, uh, they could always remember uh, what we say every week. That's, that's Lottie Moon at work, making sure missionaries are giving that witness in, in, a, in a tangible way. Amen. That's a great story, Brian. And, and just so you know, as, as uh, the Lottie Moon Christmas offering is the one time a year, and it goes to a lot of special projects, goes to, does a lot of things, but every week we give to the cooperative program here. So 10 cents of every dollar that comes into First Baptist Church goes to the cooperative program that goes to North Carolina, goes to all kinds of ministries around North Carolina, and then uh, in ministries in North America, uh, which will go plant churches in, in cities that don't have churches. But in North Carolina, the state, we send 50% of all of our cooperative giving to send these missionaries out. So our missionaries don't have to go raise money. In fact, they're not allowed to. You'd get in trouble if you tried to raise money. They get to spend all their time doing the work of the gospel because of your giving, and we're so grateful for that. Well, Terry, you close us out on our podcast. Tell us about what Lottie Moon Christmas offering means to you. I love the way you described it, Brian. There were a lot of good things there that happen that that gets people on the field and keeps them there. But I want to talk about an opportunity that you might not think of, war. 2011, when the Syrian war broke out, there were over a million refugees that came into our country. I can't see. Um, 
So there were all those people there. We had several families from that part of the world within the company who got to move to our country. They knew the language. They knew the culture. They knew they, they had contacts. They could immediately get started on reaching them. Same thing happened with when Afghanistan fell. We had five families come from there, and they, again, they knew the language, they knew the culture, and because of Lottie Moon, they could, they could come get settled, start reaching people. In fact, one of our, one of our gals, she actually moved into the refugee center themselves, itself, so that she could better reach those people. Same thing happened when the Ukraine-Russian war happened. We had those, those folks who, who, they didn't want to leave, but they had to leave. So they moved into Poland, they moved into Hungary, they moved into Romania, they moved into some other countries where those people were going. Again, they knew the language, they knew the culture. Why they knew the language and culture? Because Lottie Moon provided the funds for them to take the language and, and learn it, either coaches or, or, or classes or whatever. And so they could hit the ground running. In fact, one of my business guys, he actually was a refugee himself, reaching refugees. He moved 17 times until he actually got settled. Now, am I proud of that? No, I'm, I felt for the family. <laughs> but because you give, they could actually go and they could actually be moved. And selfless as they were, they weren't, current, they weren't concerned about themselves. They were worried, let's get the gospel to the people as fast as we can. They knew the language and culture, again, because Lottie provided We're so grateful for y'all's work on the field, and we're going to interview y'all in just a second. But thank you so much, and thank you for listening to another uh, podcast of You Asked For. If you would like to be involved in in the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, uh, just contact the church, and we'll tell you how you're able to give. God bless you.